a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about why we need to talk about how we really feel about parenting. And I will just say from my own experience, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes I feel challenged by it. Sometimes I don't always like it. So to have this conversation, I speak with Rachel Bailey. She's a second time guest speaker here at Yoga Birth Babies, and she's also a parenting specialist who has been serving families for over a decade. Besides being a mother of two, she also has a master's degree in clinical psychology, a certification in positive discipline, and has provided services as an ADHD coach, in-home mentor, and therapist. Currently, Rachel teaches parents practical long-term tools for raising responsible, resilient, and confident children while reducing the stress and guilt in parents' lives. So Rachel and I really dive into what it is to be a parent nowadays. It's different than it was several decades ago as many of us were growing up. The expectations are different from both our children and ourselves and society puts on us as parents. We talk about finding actionable steps when we feel discomfort in the parenting role. It's a really wonderful conversation that I think you're going to get a lot out of. Before we get to that chat, I want to say thank you for all those that have reached out and said you have been really getting something out of our free downloadable. So if you don't know it, run to our website and download five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And I should say it works perfectly well for postpartum as well. So I know that it's not realistic to try to get to a yoga class every day, no matter how long the class is, but chances are something in your body might feel a little achy or pain. And I've got this downloadable that can identify things from your back to your hips, to your neck, all the different parts of your body that might be giving you a little feedback that they need a little bit of love and attention. So you can download that when you feel something going on, you now have a solution. 
I also want to say thank you for those that have been leaving a rating or review. I've been on a call of action to try to have people uh, express how they've been feeling, and it's been beautiful. It helps people find the podcast, and I don't take for granted that it takes effort and time to leave a rating or review, so I want to say thank you for that. And then the last thing I want to share is that we've decided to keep a lot of our online teacher trainings online. For a while, I was thinking I was going to put it in person for March and April, but I've decided it's best to do it online. I've also found that having this teacher training online has really, really expanded our community. Not only the teacher training, but our classes online as well. We have people, I've counted up in the last two years since everything switched online, we have now had students and teacher trainees from 15 different countries. I find that amazing and beautiful and and it just makes me happy. So our teacher training is going to stay online a little bit longer as will our classes. Our prenatal and postnatal yoga are online. I don't see any reason to ever take them offline. Many of our workshops are online and we've also created an on-demand library. So many of our workshops you can grab on demand and watch on your own time, make it fit your schedule. So I'm really excited to offer that. You can check that out at prenatal yogacenter.com. That's also where you can grab the downloadable. Okay. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, enjoy my conversation with Rachel. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork baby monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hi, I'm excellent. Thank you. I'm really excited to chat with you. I know we did a podcast about almost two years ago. And when your, I think it was your assistant, reached out with this particular topic, I was all over it. So <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about. So why we must talk about how we really feel about parenting sometimes. My husband and I talk about that a lot. So <laughs> yeah, we talk about it within our families, but we don't usually go outside of our families, right? Yes. And that's what we're going to dive into. But before we get into that, I would love to hear a little bit about you and how you got into working with parents. Yeah. So it's interesting. I actually didn't plan ever on working with parents and I didn't even think I wanted to be a parent myself for, for most of my life. But, um, I was going into the field of psychology actually to be a neuropsychologist. That was my goal. But, um, you know, I was married and everything was going well and I ended up getting pregnant along the way. So I never did go into the, I never did get into neuropsychology, although I use everything I learned in what I do now. Um, but what happened was at that point, I was actually a therapist for teenagers. Mostly I was seeing um, kids and I was seeing adults, but I was seeing a lot of teenagers. And as I was, I saw the need that parents had to know how to, you know, handle situations from the small things like my child keeps forgetting their homework to the big things like my child is sneaking out or they have these huge emotions. 
So this was maybe 12, 13 years ago now, and there weren't that many people supporting parents. So I actually stopped doing what I was doing at the time to shift to, to working with parents. And I've been, I've been doing it and loving it ever since. I think you hit on something really big that the idea of supporting parents, I feel like that is something highly underserved as a parent. I feel like I have, you know, friends that we kind of talk together about our challenges, but I don't feel like there's a lot set up to support parents. I think there's stuff about how parents can support their kids, right. but not how parents exactly. can support themselves. So I guess we should talk about why we're so afraid to talk about this and how we really feel about parenting. Cause I think it's a lot harder than I had anticipated. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Absolutely. You think parenting is harder or you think talking about parenting? Probably both, both. right? Both. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I think we don't talk about it for a few reasons. I think social media plays a really big part in it because we see everybody else on social media seems to be doing fine. So we don't necessarily want to acknowledge that we're not doing fine. I think too, we get the messaging that you're supposed to love parenting. Like, you know, you hear those stories or you're in the store and someone comes up to you and says, it goes by so fast. Don't take it for granted. It'll, it'll fly by. So we, we get this messaging. And then I think more generally too, as women, we're kind of taught not to complain. Like if you're complaining, you're weak or, you know, you're selfish or so many other people have it worse than you do. So I think there's so many components, but that, that are, those are just a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and let's also talk about maybe the preconception of parenting because yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I teach pregnant folks and I have to really check myself of not sounding negative because a lot of them are first time parents and I don't want to scare them. They made this choice and you know, the, they may have their own preconceived ideas. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm doing them a disservice. So let's kind of hash that out. But yeah. I thought I don't think I thought it was going to be this hard. I thought, you know, and, and I love my kids, but it's really challenging. I had a friend one time, he and I were talking and he was saying that he and his wife were deciding if they should have kids. They really liked their lifestyle and they were kind of torn. And I'm like, if you're not sure and you really like your, this is my, this is what I said. And I could be totally yeah. off, but I said, if you're not sure and you really love your lifestyle, don't do it. (laughs) So maybe I, maybe I said the wrong thing, but I don't think I realized the, the mental and physical and emotional strain that I'm finding. And it could just be the snapshot of where I am in my life and with my kids, but it feels like it's harder than a lot of people that I talk to think about. Can you talk a little bit about why we think that, why you think maybe parenting is harder than many of us thought going into it? You know, I think it would depend on who you ask too. I think it was, it's partly our expectations going into it, but it's, I find that the people who have the hardest time, and I'm one of these. So if you are too, you know, no, there's no judgment. Um, but those of us who sort of lose ourselves in parenting tend to have the hardest time. We don't realize that it's sort of, we can let it, if we don't intentionally stop it, it can take over our identity, our lives, we're exhausted. We're, you know, so we think parenting is about the child, but it ends up being a lot about us and how tired and, um, you know, how much we forget that we are people too. And I think those are the parents I find that have the hardest time with it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I I feel like I have my own identity. I, I own my business. I'm very proud of it. I'm very invested in it. I carve out time for myself, but then at the same time, 
I see the demands that my kids need and I want to show up for them. And I find Mm. it, I find it hard really balancing everything, or maybe it's like what you said, expectations. I, I do think it's about expectations for sure, because, um, the, the other thing is expectations of our kids, like what we expect they're going to demand, but expectations of ourselves. And I think our generation is unique. And I, I don't know generations younger, how they're fully going to turn out yet, but um, our generation is unique in that we've, we've been told that we do have to meet all of our kids' demands and we have to meet them. And by the way, you don't have a community to support you. So you have to meet all their demands and you have to kind of do it alone because you don't have the neighbor's house that they can run to if you're not available. You have to be the one to do it. And these are just expectations we have of ourselves. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that and I, as I was preparing for this and I often reflect back of my own childhood because that's my, you know, my, my point of reference. Right. And I'm going to out my age a little bit. Um, <laughs> seventies and eighties, my friends. Um, yeah. you know, like I, we make our, I wake up in the morning and I, I get my own little personal time. I do some exercise and then my husband and I together get the kids out the door and I'm making their lunches. I check in with them. Like, is your bag packed? You know, make sure you, my son, I'm like, make sure you have your trombone, you have music today. And then I think like, and this is not a dig on my mom, but I woke up and like, it was like the third grade, my son's in um, fifth, my daughter's in second. There would be a quarter on the table. Right. For- exactly <laughs> and would, right. And I would open the door and walk to the bus stop. And yeah. that, and again, so maybe. That's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> My mom actually was just visiting me too. We had the same exact conversation because I had said, you know, I haven't been able to spend as much time with my daughter because my, uh, one of my two daughters, I said, because my work is so busy. And she said, Rachel, you know, when you were a kid and my mom is, I have the most amazing mom ever, but she said, when you were a kid, I didn't hang out with you. I just didn't. It wasn't something we did. I didn't hang out with you and you're just not great. It's such a different expectation on our generation. So let's go deeper into that because I do think, yeah, I mean, maybe it is something because I look back like, you're right. We didn't, I didn't hang out with my parents. I do remember watching some TV shows. Again, I'm going to date myself. I was really young. I remember watching MASH with them Um, and I was like, oh, I love that. Um, But my kids and maybe it's about boundaries, but I definitely feel like we spend a lot of times, like when my kids were little, little, littles, I would hang out on the floor with them as they did tummy time and right. as my son played with blocks and stuff. And, and again, it could be memory, but I have no recollection of my mom just sitting on the floor with me. Again, I probably my wouldn't at that, that age. It didn't happen yet because our parents' generation was not told that they should. Absolutely. It was a very, very, very different. So let's so talk about that expectation. So what are, what are these expectations? How can, we adjust ourselves so that we can, and maybe I'll be so bold, say enjoy parenthood a little bit more. And yeah, let's go there. Expectations, enjoy parenthood. I think we have to really define for ourselves what our expectations are. This is one of the things I do in the workshop, in a workshop that I teach actually is having you figure out what, who you want to be as a mom, not or dad or parent, not what other people tell you, but who do you want to be? And you have to measure yourself against that not against what other people tell you want to be. And it's very funny because I do this exercise where I say, um, what do people tell you you should be as a parent or caregiver? And who do you actually want to be as a parent or caregiver? What do you think is a good caregiver? And it's funny because those are usually very misaligned. And we live our lives trying to be what we should be rather than what feels good to us. So I think we need to define for ourselves what makes a good mom or dad or grandparent, whatever it is. We need to define that for ourselves. 
Go deeper into that. So I like that people are now maybe listening to this and thinking, okay, what does that look like? So can you describe a little bit more about what you want people to think about when they're making these ideas? Yeah. Do you know what I do is I actually have them do some exercises where they think about if you fast forward, you know, you're 90 years old and you're sitting on uh, in a rocking chair on your porch. What do you, what would you look back on your life and say, Hey, I'm so glad I did that. And I'm sorry, I did too much of that. So sort of fast forward and look back and we can align our lives with what we think makes sense. And a lot of people will say, you know what? I think a quote unquote good parent is that someone who actually takes time for themselves Someone who, um, because I know you're good at this, but m- most parents I work with are not so great about taking that time or they feel like they do have to be on the ground with their kids, but really that's not what they believe internally. And if they look back on their lives, they won't regret that they weren't on the ground with their kids playing with them. They may regret that they didn't take more time to do things for themselves so that they could be more present when they were there. Cause I find our generation is around a lot more, but we're paying attention a lot less because we're around them so much. Yes. I, I want to go deeper into that because I agree because I have to make decisions that when I'm with them, I have to be with them because I can be with them and either mentally be checked out or literally be like reading a book sometimes. And in my mind, this might sound like craziness. I'm like, I'm reading a book, not my phone. Isn't that better to show them it's a book? <laughs> like, so I'm justifying. That's right. <laughs> it's just craziness. But then in my brain, and maybe this is similar to other folks, I often think, how are my kids going to remember their childhood? And yeah. I want them to think that I was really present with them and really supporting them. And so that's where I have these expectations. And then at the same time, I also think parenting is really hard. But again, it could be because I'm putting these expectations on myself. I feel like I'm talking in circles. (laughs) Well, I do think that's the thing is that we feel like we want to be present, but if we're with them all the time, you can't actually be present with them all the time. And it's funny that you said reading a book because I keep bringing my mom into this, but um, my mom read books all the time when I was young. And you know what? I grew up thinking she wasn't paying attention to me all the time. I'll tell you that. You know what I was thinking? Oh, wow. Books must be cool. And I became a reader. I wasn't thinking my mom neglected me because she was reading books and not paying attention to me. That's not what I was thinking. And most kids won't, but we feel so guilty doing that. I do. Cause sometimes I'm, my, my daughter will say like, look at me. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. She's like, stop reading. Look at me. I'm like, all right. One of the things I think helps too, is if we actually say to our kids, this is my time to read right now. You can go find something for you to do. If you need help, I'll help you. But this is my time to read. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's like, we're afraid to do that. Yeah. So I guess that goes back to boundaries, setting boundaries. So let's talk about how we think kids will benefit from parents being honest about their feelings of parenting. Yeah. So here's the thing is that if we are not honest, if we are just pretending to be someone, this parent that's so great all the time and we're happy and everything's fine, that actually builds up in us. It builds up into what I call yuck. Yuck is a term that anyone who's ever heard me speak or going forward, you'll, you'll hear me say this. Um, yuck is a term I use to describe discomfort, any type of discomfort. So yuck could be we're hungry, we're tired, we're feeling resentful because we're with our kids all the time and we just want to read. Any type of discomfort, I call it yuck. And what happens is when yuck builds up because we're not being honest about parenting, because we're really exhausted and we're not talking about it, yuck becomes a lens through which we see things. So if we are always trying to give to our kids and be there for our kids and do all the things and not just asking them to take care of it themselves, our yuck builds up and then we start to see our kids differently. 
we start to get really annoyed at the little things they do because our yuck has built up. It literally becomes this filter. And so we become shorter with them, less patient. And when we are around them, we're not very pleasant to be around. Hmm. Whereas if we can actually talk about what parenting is really like, especially with people who get it, we release some of this yuck because connection actually helps to reduce yuck. And then when we are with our kids, we're a lot less nasty is the reality of it. Mm. I really, I really like that. So how do we release the yuck? How do we connect with others about what we might be feeling about parenting? So I think, first of all, you finding someone who you think maybe in a similar space can be helpful because other, there are people who are going to judge you. There are people who are not comfortable enough to talk about what's going on with their own feelings that if you start to say parenting's hard, they're like, oh, no, it's not. What are you talking about? Why do you think it's hard? So you want to find people that you feel can sort of get what you're going through. And then, you know, when once you feel that that they are, I this is Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. Yeah. Um, she says basically that pe- people have to be worthy of your story. Before you tell your story, they have to sort of earned it a little bit. And you can sort of see if they've, if they are someone who supports you, then you can start to say, Hey, do you find it hard that and be specific? And chances are someone's going to say, yeah, that is really hard. And this isn't just a whining session. I actually have a parenting academy and I do yuck dumps in my parenting academy. So we have like, you know, 15, 20, 30, however many people on dumping their yuck. And we're not just whining for the sake of whining. We're whining so we know we're not alone. And very interestingly, we can release it when we feel less alone with it. What are you hearing are the biggest things in, uh, first of all, I love that the yuck dump. So (laughs) (laughs) I think it's necessary for everybody to do a yuck dump. So what are the biggest themes that you're hearing? And also, I guess, what are the ages of the, of the, so I, cause most, you know, my podcast is going likely to be listened to by people that are pregnant or just had babies or in the toddler world. So oh, even more important, yeah. I know. So let's, what are some of the themes that, so that people can hear and not feel alone if they're feeling this. So what would be the themes that you'd likely hear with people with in that age group with kids? So clearly physical exhaustion. Um, I think, you know, just knowing, Hey, I'm up at three in the morning. Oh my gosh, I'm up at three in the morning too. And it's really quiet and I feel lonely. Or some parents will say, well, I feel peaceful at that time, but just sort of acknowledging what you're going through. So the exhaustion of it, um, also the, the demands of children that young can be really, really high. Um, you know, you don't get any free time. You don't, have the ability to go to the bathroom alone, take a shower. <laughs> it's constantly putting other needs, other people's needs above your own. So I think at that age, that's what the biggest thing is. And then, you know, just almost not even being able to enjoy the good parts because you're navigating so many of the exhausting parts of it. That's probably what I would say here. I hear parents at that age. That makes a lot of sense. We have um, a couple of family friends that our kids are all the same age. And then one of them had a baby not that long ago. It was a little surprise. And <laughs> we were all be sitting. This happened during the summer. We're all kind of sitting around and everyone's outside. And <laughs> some of us, where our kids are older, we could just sit and enjoy because we're at the age that our kids don't need us to be there. But right. our friends that have the two-year-olds, yes. they had to. And I remember this. Like, you know, the child is old enough that, you know, can wander around, but like also fall and climb things and try to keep up with the bigger kids. And we, those of us that didn't have the two-year-old are like, I remember that like shadowing and leaning over and like almost holding the hand, like it's exhausting and it's hard to then connect with other people because you're shadowing this child around. 
Yes, that's so true. And you then you have to connect about it later. So it's interesting about human beings is that we can go through difficult times as long as we process it. That's basically one of the main ideas of therapy. So we can handle challenges. We're actually quite a resilient species, but we have to be able to process it and connect with others and really understand what we're going through. And then we can move on. It's when we hold it all in that, like I said, it becomes a lens through which we see everything else and everything else is horrible and awful and all of that. So what are ways, I'm guessing like support groups, what are some ways that people can find their tribe to connect without it just turning into... I don't want to use the word whining, just, yeah. to, I don't know. I don't know what word to use. I guess the yuck dump. So yeah, this is, and that's one of the things I'm really careful about whenever I teach a yuck dump. And I actually have a podcast episode on yuck dumps. And one of the things I emphasize is that you don't, you want to let it out and then you want to take action. So whining is basically life is horrible. That's it. I'm stuck. Uh, the purpose of a yuck dump is to release all of the yuck so that you can actually find solutions and take action. So what I do when I go ahead. I was going to say, so let's do that with some of the themes that you've mentioned. So mm-hmm. what, so people that have newborns or young child or toddlers and they, they're exhausted, they're not getting a lot of personal time. They're getting probably physically overtouched. I just remember mm-hmm. like my, my daughter still climbs on me and she's seven. So mm-hmm. what, so we've identified some of the themes. Mm-hmm. What are some things that people can now do some actionable steps to right. move past just and the that's yuck. the key. So let's say you have a child, and what I have people do in the yuck dump is identify one thing, and I say you're going to take action on this one thing. So let's say it's you're overtouched. So what are you going to do about the fact that you're overtouched? If you just complain, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Honestly, to me as a psychologist, you do actually need to get some uh, space to yourself at a certain time in the day because otherwise, that overtouch is actually going to you're going to get oversensory. You're going to you know you're going to be overwhelmed yourself, and that's not going to go well. So it really is, you have to carve out a time to have space to yourself. And I would even say, make a space in your house where you can go and recharge. Yep. So it's really about what I have people say, what's the, I have people identify one part of the yuck that they have control over. And that is one thing I will back up a yuck dump. One one of the things I have people do once they dump all of the yuck is I say, okay, put this in two columns. One or one column is all the items you have something you have control over. So I can find space for myself. I can, you know, something that you could actually do something about. The other is things you can't do anything about. You might not be able to get any more sleep right now. So we actually, we put it into two columns. And then I say, you're going to take action on one of these. And in the column of things that you can't do anything about, I actually teach people how to make a mindset shift. You can't do anything about this, but, and then help them kind of get through it, even though you can't make a change to that. Right. Let's go into that mindset shift. Yes. So what are some ways to reframe our mind shift, our mindset if we're just not liking the role of parenting at the moment? Like I've had that where my kids are whining or fighting or strident in their tone yes. and it just makes me want to crawl up the wall. Yes. So I'm going to go through a couple of things that you can do because yes. mindset is always what I say, mindset's really important, but there are things you can do before that. Cause I know a lot of people struggle with mindset. So if you're really not liking parenting, the first thing you do is make sure your biological needs are met. If our biological needs are met, we will never enjoy are not met. We will never enjoy parenting. So if we're too tired 
if we are, you know, just uh, eat, eating sugar all day long, eat, drinking caffeine all day, the, our, we're never going to be happy with parenting because our, bi- our bodies are wired to notice our biological yuck first. Mm-hmm. It's a survival mechanism. Then once we take care of our biological needs, if we can, again, that's in our control. The next thing we might go into is our emotional needs. Am I getting enough connection with other human beings? Am I treating myself like a doormat and trying to do everything for everybody? So those are more emotional needs. And then when we get to the point, which is what you were asking about, a mindset shift, I teach this concept of uh, useful versus non-useful stories. So basically when there's something we can't do anything about, like I'm not getting enough sleep, we have to consider how we're thinking about it. If you say, I can't get, I'm not getting enough sleep. This is horrible. There are no solutions. All that's going to do is add to your pile of yuck. That's a story you're telling yourself. And it's not necessarily inaccurate, but it's not useful because it actually triggers your fight or flight response. And all you're doing is you're pouring more yuck onto your pile of yuck. So what I ask people do, to do is change it to a more useful story. It may be something like, I'm not getting enough sleep right now, and I'm going to look into solutions for how I might be able to get some. Or I'm not getting enough sleep right now, and I know the time is going to end. It's something that shuts off the threat or the fight or flight response, because that may be the only thing that's in your control at that moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. And learning how to change your stories can actually shift how you feel. And honestly, what I find having done this for so long is that also leads to more action and action is the solution to reduce yuck. Mm. Oh, I so there's like a lot that. in there I know. Yeah. I was really just kind of chewing on that. Okay. I want to go a little deeper to that, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I also want to talk about how one can acknowledge their discomfort in parenting without feeling judged by it. Cause I feel like we can get a little judgy judgy as parents. All right. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U S economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Okay. We are back. So I love that you gave that huge yuck dump and an actionable courses. So we can go into that, but I also want to talk about feeling judged by acknowledging our yuck and acknowledging the discomfort. What do we do when we do feel judged by this and how can we express that without feeling that sense of judged? So you mean when we're judging, when we're feeling judged by others and and kind of ourselves too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we are going to be judged by others when we're, when we're imagining <laughs> like it. Yes, you <laughs> it's are. actually true. Yeah. There are people who are judging us. And I think the real solution to judgment is becoming really grounded in what matters to you. The more aligned you are with your values, the easier it is to say, you know what? People are judging me and that's okay because their judgment lasts about three minutes, but I'm living the life that feels good to me. And this is a lifelong thing. 
So we really need to be, I find that it's harder. And even for me, this is true. It's harder to let go of judgment if I'm not firm in my own beliefs. But once I believe something like I, I'm not a big believer in punishment, I actually don't use punishment in my house. We, we have, we use different forms of discipline and there are a lot of people who judge me for that. You don't punish. What do you mean? You're raising entitled children, but I'm so firm in it that it doesn't even, I'm like, yeah, it's like you telling me that the sky is orange. I know it's not. So I don't, it, I don't, it doesn't bother me. All right. So can really, I just take one second and can we take a little side detour? Can you yeah. talk more about that? About which part? The punishment, what you do instead of punishment. I know this is totally a different topic, <laughs> okay. but I'm just like, I, I'm like, my ears are perked and I can imagine if someone else is listening, like, well, what, what do you do? So yes. <laughs> let me just I throw that out just there. just did a podcast episode on it. Like that I just wrapped up about two hours ago. <laughs> so here's the idea. Um, and, and again, this does relate to your question because truly I believe in this so firmly and I have two kids who are extremely well behaved and we don't punish. So here's what we do. We have really firm boundaries still. We have expectations, but the, the root of discipline is actually to teach. So who knows where it became about punishment, but what we do is when we have an expectation for our kids and they don't meet it, we say, what skills are they missing that would allow them to do what we ask. So for example, if my kids are fighting, if one of my kids is really rude to the other one, instead of saying, okay, you are rude, you're, you need to go to timeout. I'll say, well, what, what does she need in order to not be rude? Well, she needs really good emotional regulation skills. Cause most people, when they're frustrated with their sister are going to say, I hate you. You're so awful. So what we do as a family, instead of focusing on punishment is we focus on teaching and we spend a lot of time teaching our kids the skills to be mature. We talk a lot about problem solving and conflict resolution and the skills that lead to better behavior, which kids do not have. So teaching is the answer. That's what we do instead of punishing. Oh my gosh. I, I really like that. So can I throw one more question on that? Of course. So yeah. it is time to come to the dinner table. I had this yeah. actually conversation with one of my friends yesterday. We're talking about the iPad. She has a three and a six year old and, yeah. and it always became one more minute, one more minute, one yeah. more minute. I'm like, Oh my God, my kids do that too. And then we say, okay, if you don't turn your iPad off now, it's going to be time that you lose later. Yep. So that's a punishment. So what's a more teachable way to do that? Oh, 100%. I have got you on that one. The reason kids don't get off of their iPad is because the executive functioning skill they're missing, missing is transitions. So I don't want to get too, us too far off topic. So if I'm starting to get there, you let me know, but okay. this is a really good one. So basically the brain craves closure of an activity. So just like us, if we're, if we're having a conversation with a friend and our child interrupts us, we're right in the middle of the conversation. We're going to get really annoyed. But if our child lets us wrap up the conversation, then we're happy to turn our attention. The brain is goal oriented. So we crave closure. So what happens with kids on their devices is that they're right in the middle of something. Usually it's a video game or something that doesn't have a clear end point. Correct. And that's why you're getting so much resistance. So they are actually doing what their brains are wired to do, which is try to get to a closure point. That's why they're resisting and saying one more minute, one more minute. Now there are things we can do to teach them to do it differently, but that's the executive functioning skill that they're missing. Okay. See, I actually feel like this is great because this does feed into our topic of why we have to talk about parenting. Be yes. Like, because parenting for me at those moments are very frustrating. Yes. So we see, we're still in, we're still on topic. Um, we are because if we, if you didn't bring that up, you wouldn't know what to do. So that's why we have to talk about it because the solutions come from talking about it. 
Yeah. And, and that's what I feel like the big, that's one of my big takeaways is we can do our yuck dump. We can talk about it, but then the next step is actionable or, or actionable actions like that. We need to do something about it so that we don't just kind of wallow in our, Oh my God, why did I do this? And one of my friends literally told me, she's like, I made a big mistake. And then she was happy later, but like she called me when her child was like colicky at six weeks. And she's like, I made a big mistake. And I'm like, I promise you it will pass. But what do you do? Like, how do we reframe ourselves when we just don't see when we're so in that hole, like a colicky baby at six weeks means the parent has been awake forever and has nothing left. Yeah. I think two things. First, we have to have compassion for ourselves. And I think it's okay to think I made a big mistake. Again, I'm a big fan of a pity party as long as you get yourself out of it. I think if you think I made a big mistake, oh my gosh, now I feel guilty for saying I made a big mistake. Oh my God, I'm the worst parent. My child is six six weeks. How am I going to mess up when they're six months and six years? Like we go into these downward spirals because we feel guilty about our feelings. We have to actually let ourselves have our feelings and get it, get them out of our head. So what I would actually say to that parent who's with a colicky six month, six week old is say it out loud, say it, get it out of your head. And then when you're examining it outside of you, when you've externalized it, that's when you can look at it and say, okay, it's no longer inside of me. What's one action I can take? Cause to your point, I say thoughts fuel yuck action reduces yuck. So mm. first we have to externalize yuck. And then we have to take action, Mm. but you have to really let it out in order to externalize it and not beat yourself up for it. Beating yourself up for your own feelings will only lead to more yuck. Yeah. And that goes back to, we're judging ourselves. Oh, I shouldn't feel this way. I wanted this baby. We worked so hard to have whatever the the story is. Correct. Yeah. I think that self-judgment can be really a downward spiral. Yeah. We're so hard on ourselves. And the other thing that I say, a really quick thing to do with self-judgment is to just try when we judge ourselves to switch from judgment to curiosity. So if you say, um, you know, why did I yell at my child? They're just a child. That's dripping with judgment. Just asking the question, this is going to lead to action. Asking the question, why did I yell at my child? Oh, I yelled at my child because I haven't slept in five days. I might need to get a little sleep because I'm going to keep doing it. My goal is to lead people to action and judgment never leads us to action, but curiosity does. Can you give another example of how someone can, with that curiosity, I'm trying, oh, let me give you an example of where, okay, so let me think. Um, I guess for me, it's the whining. I just, I have a really hard time with whining and it just makes me want to snap at them. And I think that can be, you know, my kids are a little older than maybe our typical listener, but still the... It's even maybe even harder with a toddler or someone like a child that is not quite not verbal. verbal. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. what do you do when you? So would like, you? Ah. Are you saying when you're judging yourself, like for not no, having a tolerance for whining? Yeah. Like how do we? How do we turn that into curiosity as opposed to like, oh my god, just stop talking, or I can't understand you, but I want to, and I'm just really frustrated. So. Um, I don't, I can't tell if you're judging yourself for getting frustrated with them. Like where's your, is your judgment on them or is your judgment on you? Just so I, I think it's both. I think okay. I'm getting, I think it would be, I'm frustrated with them and I'm frustrated with them. And then I'm judging myself for being frustrated with them. Okay. So here's what I would do in that situation is start with the judgment on yourself and then we'll get to the judgment on them because you can't 
do better by your children if you're in yuck. Okay. So if you don't work on why you're judging yourself, you won't actually be able to do better by them. So what I would do is instead of saying, gosh, why can't I handle the whining? Say to yourself, why can't I handle the whining? So I would ask you that. Why can't, what, what is it about the whining that bothers you? It is the sound. It really, yes. it's just, it is funny because my mom said I was a huge whiner as a kid. So I'm like, oh, let's pay it back. But it's literally the sound, like it's not even the sentence of what they're saying. It's the sound that I find yes. just grating. Grating, like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> In case you couldn't tell, I can relate. <laughs> so that tells you what you need is a couple of things. Number one, expect it to happen sometimes. Because if that sound grates on you and you are hoping it never happens and it does, your brain is going to see that as a threat. You're going to go into yuck. So number one, expect it to happen. Number two, make, I call this, I'm teaching you all the tools I teach parents, make what I call a when then plan. Hmm. How do you want to handle it and decide outside of the moment what you're, what you need when you, when you hear that sound. When I hear that sound, then I will blank. And you have a plan ahead of time that you, walk away, that you say something to them, but your, your measure of success can't be that they change because you can't make them stop whining. Right. Right. No, that's actually something I have taken years to grasp, but like the change has to come within me. I cannot ever be responsible for how someone else behaves. That took a while as a yoga teacher. That was a foundation of my understanding. Um, and I think that's helpful for parents that are working with kids that are nonverbal. Like there's only so much you can expect from them. Exactly right. And our expectations determine the level of threat. If we expect them to whine and they do, we're like, oh yeah, they, I knew they were going to whine. They did. If we don't expect it or if we resist it and they whine, our brain then goes, oh, that's a, that whine is a threat. And then honestly, it's even more grating because not only is it the sound, but it's like, I didn't want this to happen and now it's happening. So expectations are huge and knowing how to handle it when it does come up can make us feel more in control. So for the parent, I'm going to keep trying to take this back to what I believe my listeners are um, maybe going through. What do they do when they do have that child that they can't, you know, they're too young just to kind of leave. I guess they could always put them in somewhere safe, like, uh, you know, like a swing or a pack and play or their crib or something. What do you do when they absolutely just need a breath? Or I'm going to be honest. Um, noise canceling headphones can be a lifesaver. You're right there. You're in the room. You can see your child, but you might need a uh, two minute break with headphones on. Absolutely. I know, I know parents who do that. Yep. Huh. I never would have thought about that. I want to go get some of those. You should. (laughs) You totally should. And then they're going to be like, why are they older kids? Then you really know they're safe. But even, you know, a young child, as long as you can watch them, it's totally safe. You're right there. Oh, that is, that is a golden tip. Oh, I feel like I've gotten so much out of this. So you are really quite the expert about the why we must talk about how we really feel about parenting. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you think is really essential for parents to be able to really authentically be themselves in the world of parenting? No, I mean, I think it's really, it's, I would say the theme of what we talked about is expectations, expectations of ourselves if they're too high, then we're always going to judge ourselves. And then expectations of our children also that sometimes they are going to misbehave or whine or do something we don't want. And that it makes it so much easier when we shift the way we think things are going to be. And when things don't go well, we do have to talk about it and we have to release it so that we can move on and take different action. And then I'm going to say something that just popped into my mind as you were saying that is also just how temporary it is. So we may, there's been days that I'm like, ah, parenting and recognizing that it's all temporary, that there's moments that I 
adore when my kids cuddle with me. One of our big things is playing card games and I love that. And then there's times that I'm just like, please don't make me play another card game. So <laughs> that it's all, it's all going to be uh, temporary, these feelings. Yeah, absolutely. It is important to remember it's hard in that moment that it's temporary, especially when it's been six weeks of a colicky Colicky. child. So hard to remember. Yes. It really is. Okay. I have one more question for you, but we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, what is one last tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? It can be anything as a parent, as you know, as a professional in this world, whatever you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. So what last golden tip would you like to leave our listeners with? I would say that we have to let our kids, we can't try to make our kids into something we want them to be. We have to let them be who they are and have guidelines. But um, just the more we try to change our, and you know this as a yoga teacher, the more we try to change and resist our circumstances, the more we suffer. So just understanding that our children are who they are and we can't make them into who we want them to be. And sometimes that does create a little yuck in us. But when we recognize that and we do release this yuck and try to take action based on who our children are, I think that's really important in helping us and helping our children to develop with healthy self-esteem. Oh, that is fantastic. That could be a whole episode on its own because I think (laughs) you're right that so many times, especially I can imagine those that are pregnant kind of have a story already in their mind. I know I feel like I did. And I know my mom did about like who we, who we're going to be and who they're going to raise us to be. And, and then fighting what's really showing up. Oh yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Where can people find your work? So I am at rachel baileycom is my website. I also have my podcast, which is your parenting long game. Um, and I know I have a lot of people with kids with younger children, even though I would say the tips I give start being relevant at about age two, but I have a lot of parents who have the younger ones who are sort of being proactive, which is what I love. So it's going to be relevant for any age. Um, and then I have a Facebook group along with that as well. And it is your parenting long game uh, podcast community. I also have a video series. If you do have kid, uh, parents of kids with older or parents of children who are a little bit older, I have a vid- free video series too. I specialize in working with parents of children with big emotions and I have a lot of tips in there. So that's another thing I'm going to give your audience for free today. Amazing. I'm going to watch that because I do have kids with big emotions and I could definitely always use extra support. So this is wonderful. I've so much enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.